Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. Pleased to have back with us again today here on Advice Worth Keeping, Mr. Caleb Quirin. Caleb is part of the U.S. firm. He's a part of the advisory service line and is one of the firm's leading experts on cybersecurity services. So, Caleb, thanks for joining us here again today on Advice Worth Keeping. As always, it's my pleasure, Stan. Thank you. So, Caleb, recently we talked about the business value of bug bounty programs. Today we want to look at kind of the next steps in terms of how does an organization, if they haven't already, start a bug bounty program and use that to reduce risk within their organization. But maybe as a quick recap for our listeners, just what is a bug bounty program? bug bounty program is a mechanism by which vulnerability researchers who discover issues or vulnerabilities in your environment can responsibly disclose them to you, meaning in short that you have more eyes and more hands on the keyboard of people who are looking at things that you care about as an information security professional. And these researchers often work for some sort of reward, whether that's monetary or recognition, but in essence, it's a tool that modern application security and modern security programs use to reduce risk quickly and at a more appropriate cost. So what are the key things an organization should do to have success with these programs and also make sure that they're setting themselves up for the long run? What are the key things to ensure likelihood of success? Yeah, it can be daunting to think about it. If you're a leader and someone proposes a bug bounty program, it may sound as if you're going to unleash hordes of hackers on your infrastructure, and that's absolutely not true. And there's ways that we can mitigate risk as we begin the journey together. The two levers that I think leaders should talk about first are the scope of your bug bounty program, what it is you would like the community to look for vulnerabilities in. So you may say our website or just certain parts of your website, just a subdomain of where I'd like people to focus. As time goes on and you're more comfortable with the entire effort, you can say there's more places on the website you guys are permitted to look for vulnerabilities or check out this API or this hardware device. So scope is a lever that you can pull over time as you grow into it. Another is audience. Some bug bounty programs and services will allow you to select how many researchers you are allowing to participate. So that perception that you're opening the floodgates to the whole world of hackers or researchers out there is not true. You can tweak that up and down over time. So in the beginning, you can go to a bug bounty vendor, one of those platforms, and you can say, give me your top five researchers in this skill set, and they'll gladly present those folks to you. Six months in, you crank that up to, oh, 30 folks. After you wrap your head around the exercise and your response teams are a little bit more exercised and ready to take on more. Of course, over time, you just keep pulling that audience growth of researchers larger and larger. And a couple of years later, 24 months in, you've got a lot of folks always looking for vulnerabilities in your environment, and your team is well-exercised to deal with them. So that's the two things I would talk about is scope and audience of the researchers. Is there any sort of ratio that an organization should think about in terms of how many individuals they should have performing the bug bounty work? Obviously, it depends on the organization, but how do you determine when you have enough or is there a situation where there's really never enough? I would encourage folks to start small, have a plan. So, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a golden ratio, but it would just go up over time. So, you know, as we alluded to a moment ago, you say, here's the environment we'd like these folks to look for vulnerabilities in. 
let's take the top five again, researchers or tech, top ten, whatever they may be. And then once you see what that results, what that number of researchers turns into in terms of vulnerabilities coming in the door, you can make further adjustments from there. But I would, of course, start off with some formed decision about a plan over time to increase. Okay, so rather than just throwing people at the problem, have a plan. Absolutely. You never just go full bore or start so slow and just stay there because that doesn't help over time. Are there any operational requirements that an organization needs to have in place before they start a program like this, or is it something that can really be applied against any type of organization, application, infrastructure? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a checklist of things that should be in place or should be considered before going forward with a bug bounty program, and these are absolutely the result of lessons learned of people who have trodden this path before. So one of the things that you should have is statistics are at least a a pretty good handle on what types and what volumes of vulnerabilities you're seeing now. We want that so that six months in, 12 and 18 months in, we can show leadership the hopeful decrease in these types of vulnerabilities over time and our ability to get better at mitigating them when they still show up. So if you don't have metrics, you're not going to be able to really talk to leadership about the value of the program when they come asking six months later or sooner. Another thing you need to make sure that are available are when vulnerabilities come in the door, which they will, the development and operations teams who maintain that infrastructure, it shouldn't be a surprise to them. It shouldn't be the first time that they're aware that this is a bug money program. Sounds like common sense, but lessons learned from the front lines are that you need to have a bit of a communications program far in advance of the opening of the program, socializing that we expect an increase in certain types of vulnerabilities coming in the door so that dev and ops are ready and they may not have 10% of their cycles, as it were, available to you, but they at least acknowledge that they'll work the stuff into the backlog as appropriate with a risk-based decision. So that's another one. Your customer support teams, who are often the front lines where customers engage your enterprise, they should also be aware that there may be subtle nuances in the environment that are changing sometimes because of the effects of these researchers. It's unlikely, but you still should be able to tell them, hey, if somebody calls into the enterprise for a tech support call and they report X, let us know because it could be the result of one of our researchers. That's great. Obviously, major incident management and security operations centers should be in the loop for the unlikely event of something broader happening when a researcher kind of exceeds the scope of the exercise. There's just informal communications that you need to have in place. There's a couple other considerations. I would say that you want to pick the right time of year to launch a bug bounty program. You wouldn't want to do this just before holiday shopping season if you have an e-commerce platform. You've got enough on your hands at that point. And finally, I would say that internally in the security operations environment, you need to have those people who are tasked with the bug bounty program itself, because it's not just a part-time job probably, you need to have somebody dedicated to triaging those new things that come in the door. You need to have folks dedicated to analyzing them. And finally, folks dedicated to the rewards effort. And that could just be a single resource. I'm not saying you need to hire a bunch of people. I'm just saying it's not an informal thing where somebody will do it when it happens. We need to have set aside dedicated folks for triage, analysis, and reward of these vulnerabilities as they come in the door from the bug bounty program. Okay, and then maybe to wrap up, you mentioned a few moments ago about the importance of having solid metrics to take to leadership to show the benefit that these programs are bringing. But what should business leaders be doing on this? Obviously, this is assumed the programs themselves are the purview of the CISO, but what should business leaders be doing and what should they be looking for in terms of the benefits of these programs? Yeah, I would say in wrapping up, Sam, this time, it may sound like a lot. It may sound 
unattractive to some folks. Not that this is our audience. Our audience may report to people who may not be familiar with the idea of a bug bounty program. They may not be comfortable with the idea of, quote-unquote, hackers coming and letting them loose on our environment. What our audience needs to be prepared to do is educate the leaders in the business value of a responsible disclosure program like this. It may sound like a lot, but it's not that bad when you have a roadmap and a plan. It's actually an appropriate thing to do, given today's landscape. Remember, this is the Internet. Today, there are constant attempts to look for vulnerabilities and compromise your environment. Those researchers today, as it stands, if you don't have a bug bounty program, aren't telling you about it. I mean, what are their options right now? If you don't have a bug bounty program, they can do nothing with that information. They could exploit the information. Those are both bad outcomes. But if you have a bug bounty program in place, you have a vehicle for them to responsibly share that information with you. That's the goal, right, to reduce risk together. So it's a fundamental component of modern programs to reduce risk for the enterprise. And at the end of the day, the advice we're keeping is we want to have more resources on hand that we can use to think like innovation. And by reducing risk over on one side of the house, we have more funds to invest in innovation. So that's my advice to leaders is to take advantage of this model to drive a safer security posture. Well, thanks again today. This has been great stuff, I think, both from the standpoint of the value we can bring to an organization, but also what you've articulated in terms of utilizing resources that are idle. And I think that's very important if you have skill and expensive security resources that are idle, uh, utilize them. And as you said, there's a lot of third-party sources you can go to. So good stuff, and certainly we encourage all of our listeners to make sure their organizations have been already planning to do a bug bounty program. So, Caleb, thanks again, and we'll have to get you back again soon. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash US slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.